Ladies and gentlemen. What are you doing? What do you mean? I'm making Just keep it simple. I'm making the promo. Just keep it simple. Just say, hey, we're the Brav Bros. Two guys that talk about Bravo. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're the Brav Bros. No. Oh. Dude, stop with the voice. Just the vo- keep it simple. I've seen promos on TV, dude. This is how you get the fans engaged. This is how you get listeners. We're trying to get listeners here. If we just say, oh, we're two dudes that talk about Bravo, people are going to get tired of it already. We need some oomph. All right, then fine. Let's try to do it with your voice. Brav Bros. Good job. Welcome to Passionate World Talk Radio. Educate, enlighten, entertain. Hello, everyone. I have my disclaimer. The views of the guests may not represent those of the station or the host. Please consult your primary care physician about any information you hear in this interview. I am Betsy Wurzel, your host of Chatting with Betsy on Passionate World Talk Radio, where I wear mantras to educate, enlighten, and entertain. Folks, I'm so excited. I am so grateful and blessed to do what I do. I love being a host. And I have a phenomenal guest with me today. I read about Lori Lynn in the radio interview newsletter. I looked her up and I said, I have to interview this person because (laughs) she is phenomenal. And I am a big kid. And yes, I do love kids' videos (laughs) and books. I (laughs) I used to work in a preschool. So Lori Lynn is an early childhood trainer and a specialist speaker. She is writer and creator of Overall Buddies, a series of original songs, videos, and books for young children. And I want to quote Lori Lynn because I love this quote. Lori quoted, speak to the children as if all the angels in heaven can hear you. I love that. Lori is very (laughs) generous. She donates a percentage of her books to a nonprofit partner, Children's Square USA, who helps children and families in need. And if you buy the deluxe new book, I'm a Pig, she donates a dollar towards the um, nonprofit. And also, Lori received the 2020 Telly Bronze Award. And I have to say, folks, you have got to check out Lori Lynn's YouTube. <laughs> you have to go on her website because I just love work, uh, Lori's work. And uh, we'll get the uh, website at the end. But I want to welcome Lori Lynn to Chatting with Betsy. Welcome, Lori Lynn. Well, that was quite an introduction. Thank you so much for the encouragement and, and um, support there, Betsy. I appreciate you having me. Oh, you are welcome. I am a big kid. <laughs> I worked in a I worked in a preschool. My husband used to say to me, "Yeah, that's why the kids love you because you're a big kid too." And exactly. your <laughs> your books are phenomenal. Your your videos are are just uh, I just love them. And if your uh, videos were in my school, the preschool. I gladly would have showed it to the children, and I really want to encourage the audience. You have got to check Lori Lynn out. I'm going to go to the website because I'm so excited about it. It's www.overallbuddies.com. Lori, how did you get into this? 
this field of doing videos. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's really interesting. You know, I, I'm a busy now. I have my first grandson. So I just started this particular business in 2000. Well, I really started uh, brainstorming the name Overall Buddies and things like in 2017, but I really got this business up and going in 2019. And it was really going well um, for the first seven months and then 2020 hit and we can get, you know, what happened there. So, um, but how did I get into this? I have been writing songs since I was five years old. So as far as the music portion of this, it's just was born in me. I would write songs about my brother's motorcycle and I would write songs about walking down to the sledding hill and I just was always writing little ditties and I got my first guitar in fifth grade and like I borrowed a guitar to take guitar lessons and started writing all kinds of songs once I learned chords and and um, then I got my first guitar in seventh grade and I went through stages of like country music songs and you know you you start getting more sophisticated in your songwriting skills <laughs> and then I majored in music the first two years in college. I thought I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with music, if I was going to teach it. I just knew I loved music and it was something that God gave me as some kind of a gift. And I just was, I got a little uh, disenchanted um, in the music program, but I just went into education instead. I said, you know what, I can use my music in early childhood. And there was a catalyst for that. I went home to teach Bible school. And I always struggled in school because never intellectually, it was really easy for me to get A's. So I would get these papers and I would get them done so fast. And I learned that if you got done fast, you just got more work to do. So (laughs) I learned to to pretend I wasn't done, but I was so bad. And I I would never fill out the last kind of last two ones. So the teacher walked by, I was thinking, you know, like, oh, this is so hard. It wasn't hard. And so, but I would, my mind would keep going and I would think of all these things to do, like how how fast can I get my eraser out the window across the room and what kind of velocity do I have to have on this eraser to get it to go out that window? And that's the way my brain worked. And I was somewhat annoying for teachers. So, um it would be what they said. Now I probably would have been on medication because I, I definitely have ADD. Not the H with it, but definite ADD and get distracted easy and my brain works pretty fast. And so I never thought I'd be a teacher because I thought, gosh, that looks like it's so hard because I sure annoyed my teachers. But when I went home from college, not really sure what I wanted to do. I was teaching Bible school and it was a fourth grade class and there was this little boy who was just like me when I was little and he was antsy and the teachers were just so flabbergasted with him and and I just knew what he needed. He needed something in his hands. He needed another way to learn. He needed to move. He needed to sing. He needed to dance, whatever it was. Um, And he just needed somebody to see him and understand him. And I could do that because I was just like that. And so the teacher took me aside. She said, you need to do this for your living. You need to go teach. And um, that's what I did. And so I went into education and I used my music every day in, in early childhood, of course. And I pulled my guitar out and a lot of songs I wrote in the classroom, a lot of songs when I had my own children, I started writing a lot of lullabies, of course. And that's when, that's when the music 
and the purpose for all this, these songs that God kept sending me, because sometimes it would get really frustrating, Betsy. Like, I remember having these talks with God and saying, I don't know what to do with this stuff you keep putting in my head. Stop it. You know, it's like, I mean, I have hundreds. I started off with, like, you know, the old-fashioned cassette players. I'd record these little tunes in my head and songs and words, and, and then I went to dictaphone. I, have, I probably have 20 dictaphone full tapes of little pieces of songs and some that I've finished and some that I haven't. And now I record on my voice memo on my phone. And I'll be in the middle. That is so cool. I I love Lori Lynn. (laughs) Yeah, it is. You have a gift. And, you know, sometimes, you know, we don't know what our gift is. And, you know, with children, I just feel that, you know, each child is unique. And when I worked at the preschool, I always wanted to make each child feel special because I never felt that way. And so I would always compliment every child on something. And my parents would come to me and say, oh, Miss Betsy, uh, you know, their child was so happy. I complimented them on something. And, you know, it made the kids feel great. And, you know, to you know, be kind uh, with them. And, yeah, I think, you let me know if if you agree with this, Lori Lynn. I think as adults, we underestimate children and what they can learn. Do you feel that way? I do. And I'm all about high expectations. The problem that happens is the how. So when I train teachers, I always say it's not so much the what, it's the how we do it, you know, there's such a push down of curriculum into kindergarten. It's it's very, very bad for children. And we've seen behaviors skyrocket because of it, challenging behaviors skyrocket. And it's because things aren't appropriate. Um, there are some kindergartens I've seen that still do have two recesses. And boy, when my son was in kindergarten, he had three recesses. And he still learned all the things he needed to learn. And he would not make it right now, right now in the system that he went to school. They only have one recess in kindergarten. And he would have never made it. He would have had terrible challenge behaviors because his brain is like my brain. It works really, really fast. And um, he's smarter than me. He was always in the gifted program. But um, he just didn't fit in that box even when it was appropriate. So right now, children that um, think differently, like you said, or have these other kind of gifts rather than setting and really just almost drill and practice is what's happening. And it's just no research supports that, zero. Zero research supports that, and it's really sad. So we need to find that pendulum shift. And there is a school here in my area that got a new principal about three years ago, and she immediately put back center play into even first grade, kindergarten, first grade. And I was just applauding her. It's like, yes, because children learn through play. We know that. It's research-based. But I know what scares administration is if children are only playing and teachers aren't engaged in that, then we're missing opportunities. And so it's a both and, right? We've got to train teachers, like, how do you maximize children's play to give them the dosage is what I say, the dosage of the skills that they're needing. 
And that's, to me, that's an easy way to teach, an easier way to teach, but people have told me it's actually harder because you really have to know every single child. And if you have a good assessment, which there's nice, authentic, observational assessments out there, either high scope core or teaching strategies gold, where you're watching children every day. And this is not pull a child aside and, and drill them on an assessment. This is you're watching them every day observing. And if you know your children really well and they're in the block center and you know, oh, this child doesn't know how to count to five yet, you just go to the block center and you give him those dosages of counting within his play. You know, you're like, oh, my gosh, you made a tall tower. I wonder how many blocks are there. Things that, And you just have to keep giving those dosages. And I learned that from another mentor of mine about these dosages. And I said, how many dosages do children need? She goes, oh, 1,000. And she laughed. But what she's trying to say is if a child needs those things, it's not about pulling a worksheet and, and giving them practice on that. That's, that's not lifelong learning. It's If a child is needing to learn to count, I'll keep that analogy going, you do it in the block center, and then you, then you give them time to just play. And then you give them another, another dose if they go to a different center or if they're zipping up their coat. And you say, oh, you have pockets. How many pockets? And do you have any pockets on your pants? And you have them count there. So throughout the day, you're giving that child dosages of counting. And so it, you just have to really know your children, and people aren't there yet. Like that's where the pendulum has to swing, is let's get play back into kindergarten in preschool. It's there, luckily, in preschool, where I'm from. But um, we have to get it back to these young children. And somehow satisfy administration and government, <laughs> who are always scores, <laughs> to say, okay, but it, yes, and we want high expectations and we want teachers to truly understand how to give those dosages of skills that children need, especially where I live, where they're very at risk and behind. And if we want to close the gap, they really have to have a lot of dosages of skills. And um, so it, it can happen. It's just a different, you've got to kind of switch your mindset on how to do it. Sorry, I went into a yeah. mess there. Is that what we <laughs> Yes, I, I am not uh, formally educated in um, the preschool, you know, early childhood. I just know from being a mom and observing uh, children, you know, when they would play in the sandbox, you know, mm -hmm. you could, I uh, would ask, you know, which one is bigger? How many of marbles can you find? And even teaching, um, you know, compassion, and empathy, you know, when someone yes. child takes another toy away, uh, you know, and, and to say, well, how did you, how would you feel? You know, you hurt your friend's feelings or talking, uh, calling them a name, you know, how, how would you feel if they did that well, you to you? It. Yes, and you hit it on the head there, Betsy, because social, emotional, and things like problem solving and empathy, all those things are proven that if those are in place in the early years, and that's what we really spend our time on, that the lifelong learning and the, the children being successful is more likely to happen because that is what's going to carry them through rather than pushing skills down their throat. I make the analogy of how many of us like to be force-fed food, right? It's like if you force-feed a child, which don't do that, that's abuse, you know, they're either going to 
stop eating altogether and refuse to eat or they're going to throw up, right? And so that's the same thing that happens when we force skills down children's throats or into their brain. They're either going to shut down yes. and a lot of children yes. shut down or they're going to start having challenging behaviors, one or the other. That's what happens. And so it's so obvious when these challenging behaviors have gone up with these changes. But I love the what Iowa used to say, and I have to look at their website to see if they still say it, but preschool's purpose is to get children ready to learn, not ready for kindergarten. And so anytime somebody says, what do we do to get children ready for kindergarten? I say, let's switch that to we're getting them ready to learn. And what does that mean? And exactly what you said, it's those social emotional skills, which involves quite a few things and problem solving and those kind of things. And of course, dosages of the basic skills so that they're, they have a good foundation. Yes, and my coworkers thought that I was a little, <laughs> they asked, I thought I was a little too much, but I always believe that that's the time to teach children uh, social skills, uh, manners. You know, they mm-hmm. it would be, you know, give me, give me, give me. Like, oh, no, you don't talk to Miss Betsy like that. It's please. And I, so, and right. then you say, thank you, Miss Betsy. And I say, you're welcome, you know, so-and-so. Right. And um, try to, uh, you know, teach them manners. It's so funny. <laughs> I was uh, in the aftercare program also, and this is when we had kindergarten children at the time. And when a little girl said, <laughs> I heard her out loud say, you are doing mean girl talk, and Miss Betsy does not like that in her aftercare. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so they would they would know it's funny this one little girl she was in Nebraska for a few months with her mom and she came back and she said Miss Betsy my teacher in the school when someone made fun of me she didn't sing them your song <laughs> your friend's song oh. I made up I made up my own little songs and she said she did not tell us to hold hands and sing the friend song. So, you oh. know, you sometimes you wonder, you know, do kids really hear you? And they do. They do. And I love how we're just kind of flowing <coughs> here. You know? And something else I train, and, you know, everything I train are things that somebody taught me, you know, and so it's, when we know better, we do better. That's what Maya Angelou says, and it's so right. true, and especially raising children and in education. It's like I, I now am a trainer, um, but at some point somebody taught me this. And um, one of those things about our children hearing us, it made me think of I have this um, research paper that I share all the time. And I said, share this with your families, because how many times do we say they just don't listen? They're not listening to us, Right. But the problem can be a teacher or an adult problem. If we talk too fast, they can't process it all. So this research paper goes through how when we say something to a child, it goes in one ear, then it has to be processed auditorially on one side of the brain. And if we ask them to do something, then it has to cross over the brain, get processed somewhere else, and then the brain has to tell the body or the mouth, whatever we've asked them to do, what to do and to follow through with it. So there's a lot going on in a little brain. And if we are talking as fast as you and I are talking, which is fine because we're adults, they can't, it's not that they're not listening, they couldn't process it. And so 
what what this goes on to talk about is how Mr. Rogers spoke. He spoke at I think the numbers don't stick with me. I think it's 45 words per minute. I have to I have to think back at that. But don't quote me on that. But there he has a certain amount of words he speaks per minute, and he would practice that. And guess who else practiced that? Walter Cronkite. And that was for adults. And so I have teachers practice um, that many words per minute. I think it's 125 per word. I can pull it up on my drive and give it to you, your listeners. But um, So they practice slowing down their speech. And I, I encourage them to share that with families because you and I can talk as fast as we want, but we have to slow it down for children, especially if we're asking them to do something um, and especially if it's essential skills that we're working on, you know, especially like problem-solving skills and like the things you're talking about. But that's a really important thing that you were saying. It's like, are they really hearing us? Well, <laughs> they probably will if we really slow down and get at their level and make sure they're kind of looking at you, right? We don't want to force yeah. every child to love this because culturally um, – in some cultures, it's disrespectful to look adult in the eye, so we have to be careful of forcing children to do that as well. Yes, I really learned a lot um, through, I was there for about 12 or 13 years, and I have found through the years that the attention span of the child was getting shorter and shorter. I think it's due to technology, because everything, you know, they're on your laptops very young and, and very, you know, everything's very fast. But I have to ask you, what is your new book about I'm a pig? <laughs> and that the cover is so cute. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, it is based on a song I wrote when boys were about three years old, and they are now 30 <laughs> and 31. So it, I wrote it a long time ago. I have sang it in many classrooms, and it is always the most requested song. And once the CD and my music came out, um, that was still the most requested song when I go out places. And I've had librarians and teachers and parents all say, you should make that into a book. And I just listened to my um, fans and the people who enjoy my music listen to them. And I said, you know what, let's do this. And when COVID came, the pandemic happened, I had 45 gigs lined up for my first summer. That was my first summer of doing this full time. And I was trying to answer the question of, is this music supposed to be my living or is it supposed to be my hobby? And I, I have answered that now, but I dove in deep and um, went, I said, you know what, I'm going to quit my job. I am going to dive in and I'm going to do this because I need to know. And I really did it. And, and, but I think now because of the pandemic, it really stunted the growth that I was having and it hasn't quite come back. So I will never stop making more books and music, but it's going, I'm going to get a full-time job now because I'm lucky, Betsy, and then we'll get back to the book, but I'm lucky that I have two great passions and skills in my life. And one is my music that just has never gone away. God keeps sending these things to me. I have 100 more songs to put out. Um, but I haven't made enough money to get the songs done. And so I had to have a real heart-to-heart -heart with myself. I have more books I want to get out and more songs, and I'm not making enough doing this full-time. It's hard. And um, 
So I really had to, and I said, you know what, I also love working with teachers and working with programs and helping them with quality. And so um, I'm going to go back and do that full time. And then that will, that will allow me to now go back and do a song here and there and get them out there in the world, you know, and, and, and share those with children. And the I'm a pig book then, since COVID happened, and I was like, well, there went all my gigs. I did a Kickstarter for my book, and within 13 days, I raised $10,000. And so wow. it was very successful. Now I get about 9200 of that from Kickstarter because they take their cut, which they should because it's all housed there. And so they have to pay their people too. And then my illustrator was close to 7000 So it didn't leave a lot for me to um, pay my book designer and order my book. So there was about still four more thousand of my own money I, I put in to get that book done. So it's not a cheap venture to make a good book like that. Um, I say good as far as I wanted it to be of the quality that can still be in a library because you have to have all these things put in place uh, so that it can be um, cataloged and all that. I wanted it to be um, cataloged at the Library of Congress and, and available and a, the ability to be sold at stores. So it took a little more work. I can go onto Amazon or your listeners, if they want to make a book, you can do a book for hundreds. If you just want to throw it up on Amazon, throw it up, I don't mean throw it up, but you know, just put it up on Amazon, get a book designer or design a book and um, if you want to make your own illustrations, you know, you can get a cheaper illustrator. But I had a really good illustrator and I wanted to keep all the copyrights to the pages. So it costs a little more to keep your copyright. So that's what that did. But I got it was successful. And, you know, Kickstarter is something, it took a while for me to realize, well, a day or two, because I'm like, people aren't donating like I think they would be. And I finally realized maybe they don't really understand what Kickstarter is because it's not like <laughs> GoFundMe where you're just giving somebody money. Kickstarter is you are buying the item early so that the creator can actually get it made, right? So once I made that clear, like this is not like charity. This is you are buying my book early. And so then I just started pushing, buy my book, buy my book early, pre-order it, and then I just started getting 100 orders a day. Um, luckily, I have a lot of friends. <laughs> so, <laughs> they were able to do that. And so, yeah, and so I made this book, and it's gone everywhere it goes. It's so enjoyable to see children loving it. And I always wanted, I lamented a bit that I wanted to do this in my 30s. Like, gosh, I wish I was 30 doing this. But God has a plan and things, I don't always believe things happen for a reason, but I think this was, well, I know this book is much better now than it would have been when I was 30 because I have all this knowledge of what makes a good early literacy experience for children. You know, mm -hmm. so I wouldn't have known that in my 30s. No, I wouldn't have known that. I'd only taught, you know, 10 years instead of 25 years, you know. So I knew a lot of what I wanted to put in that book. So there are a lot of hidden, really quality early literacy um, supports in there. For instance, I have my little, you've seen my YouTube where I have the puppet with me, Obi. And right. I have a little, a little Obi um, 
plush doll that people can buy. And in the book, this little girl has an OB plush doll and he's hiding in the pages. So why that's an early literacy skill is because I teach families when I'm at libraries and I read the book. I say, ask the children to explain, not point, like tell them to explain with their words where they see, if the child's able, of course, where they see OB. So they should try to get three things. He's beside the dresser. He's under the bed and he's on the rug. On the first page, he's, he's all those places. He's right there on the rug beside the dresser, which is kind of under the bed because his legs are under the bed. So there's three positional words they use, and that's math skills. And people don't know that. But see, just knowing that then, families can go, oh. And then you can buy the OB plush toy and play it in your house. So they can hide it, and then you have them say, try to get three ways to explain where OB is. So there's language happening. So, and I didn't know this until only about five years ago, that oral language conversation are the basis of all early literacy. So that's why it's so important to talk to our children and give them a chance, not like here where I'm doing all the talking a lot of it, um, you give them a chance to talk back. So you are yes. talking, you, and, and then you're quiet, and then you let them come back, and you aim for trying to get five inter interactions with them that way. That's one of the goals for like four-year-olds is try to get at least five interchanges in that conversation. So it's, it's all of that I put in the book and then I have, I have more than one space between the words so that they can see the words a little more clearly. Because there are books out there I remember teaching uh, and I'd grab a book that children loved the pictures, but I couldn't do anything with literacy with it as far as words go or letters because the words were tiny and they were so close together. I'm like, it's not helpful it, to even point out the words or what's happening in the words because they can't even see it hardly. And to try to say, where's this word or point to the words and touch the words, they were too close together to do that. So uh, in my book, the words are bigger and they're a little further apart, so when you trace the words or track them, they can kind of bounce from word to word and get that, this is a word, this is a word. And the word pig is always in red. It's the only word that's in red in capital letters. And the word pig happens a lot because it's a song, so it repeats a lot. And I'll go into classrooms and I said, I bet you'll be able to read some of the words in this book, and it's happened in every classroom. I can't read a child will say. I'm like, hmm. Well, just wait. You might know one of the words in here. So I point out on the first page, this is the word pig. Look, it's in red. It's in big letters. I'm going to turn the page. Do you see another word that says pig? Oh, I see it. I see it. And the, and the little boy or girl who has said, I'm not a reader, always says, I see it. I'm like, you're a reader. And they're like, I am? Yes, of course. You recognize that's pig. And that's part of reading is recognizing words. And so I... It, I want children to feel successful and feel confident. And when they can say, I'm a reader, then they're going to try other things, right? That, that is wonderful, Lori Lynn. I'm uh, so thrilling talking to you because I, I hear your passion and I love people who are passionate about what they do because when someone's passionate about what they do, you hear it in I feel it. I, I hear it and I feel it. And I, I used to love story time in the preschool. That was like my favorite thing was to uh, do story time and then ask the kids questions because the children uh, where I was was between um, the ages of two 
Well, at one point it was between two to six and then two two to five. And oh. just, you know, they loved certain stories, I guess, more than, than others. Um, yes. I want to encourage uh, all educators, if you're listening to this, parents, guardians, whoever you are, if you have a young child in your life, you have got to go on Lori Lynn's website and check it out. And I highly recommend watching the videos with your children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews, um, <laughs> and, you know, uh, students. And to really, if you're an educator, try to get this into your school system. I think it should be in every preschool and kindergarten's library, uh, even first grade. Um, and I'm not an educator, but that's just my <laughs> personal opinion. <coughs> Excuse me, because it teaches children. And, you know, I, I used to read to my son all the time mm-hmm. when he was younger. Um, and every night I would uh, read to him. My, my son has a cognitive disability. You don't know what they're getting. You know, just keep uh, reading and make it enjoyable. You know, that's what I yeah. always say. Make it enjoyable. Don't just sit don't sit there with the kid and just do monotone reading. Get into it. <laughs> the teachers well, will laugh at me. No, but <laughs> I would... it's so important because joy is such an important part of helping children find a purpose and joy in their reading. And the other really huge thing about why did I make this book is when you connect music with literacy, you've got the perfect tool for any classroom or home because music lights up our brain. So you know if they get to know that song, I'm a Pig, which is really a fun, silly song, and they get to snort in it, and it's just it has a story, a beginning, middle, and end, and we don't know where the pig goes at the end. So there's a, a, there's a cliffhanger, and you can ask the child, uh, where do you think the pig went? And then you have a whole other activity to do, like, where do you think he went? And they can draw a picture, and I've had children do that, and it's so fun. But um, when you connect music and literacy, well, what we know about literacy, it lights up the brain. So we've seen videos of Alzheimer's patients, right, that can't remember their yes. family's name. Or, and, but if they played piano or had music in their life, they can sit and they know it. Why? Because music engulfs our brain and lights it up in every area. So when you connect, anything to music, it's memorable. So how I always say, how did how did you learn to spell Mississippi? Or, you know, there's all these songs that you can sing to remember things. And if you think about Itsy Bitsy Spider, you can probably find ten children's books in that, different ones, different versions. Wheels on the bus. Why? Because people know that it's so important and children go to those books. When I was substitute teaching this year, I brought in my I'm a pig book, but we'd been singing the song. And so when they got the book, they were like, oh, we know this song. We know these words they're reading, right? So they were in that book every single day. And as an author, watching that happen, I would cry almost every day. <laughs> like, this is so beautiful. Yes. And, you know, right? Yes, that's, that's true. I used to um, have my son learn his address. Is I sang it to him in a yes. song. Uh, I made up the song, and you're so right about Alzheimer's. Um, you know, 
not that it's funny, but um, my husband had early onset Alzheimer's. So I, I had to talk to him very slowly, like I talked yeah. to the children at the preschool. Yeah. And I saw how music affected Matt. Um, yes. Yeah. And it's, it's proven therapy. Yeah. It's proven. And so why, when I train on this, I'm going to be at a, a conference actually in September in Iowa, and I'm going to do a, a talk on this. And I always say, when we know music such a powerful tool, why, oh, why, oh, why don't we use it more? Right, and so it's that's not right. About my that's book. right. Um, book, but yeah, buy my book because it's done for you. Let them know the song and use the book and help them become confident readers. And so, but yeah, it's a powerful tool, and we need to use it whenever we can. Yes, I. This is funny. I know my audience will think a little cuckoo, but when I would feed the kids, and it was lunchtime. And especially the, the children that didn't really want to eat, and then you know, the parents want them to eat. I would sing to them. I'd make up a song oh. about their dish that they're eating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I would, um, I made up my own songs, and I would, uh, I won't sing because then nobody will listen. <laughs> I don't have a, uh, a, a good singing voice, but uh, the kids loved it. You know, they loved that I made up a song, you know, one kid had ravioli, and I make up the song, and as a matter of fact, one of the co-workers, her daughter was there, and she said, Miss Betsy, I have to go buy ravioli now, because <laughs> um, <laughs> because my daughter heard the song about ravioli, now she wants to eat it. <laughs> yes, it, it's, it just, it's hard not to be affected by music. I don't know. You're just affected by it and, and in positive ways when you use positive music, of course. And it's just something that that is why I wrote I'm a Pig for Overall Buddies. And I have one in the works right now um, for my It's a Bitsy Spider song, which I, I don't know if you saw that video, but I extended the It's a Bitsy Spider song where other animals go up the water spout and then an elephant goes up at the end and he gets stuck and the other animals try to, they help him get out and they're all having a picnic up top, but I don't say that in the song. And that's, I, that's the other thing I do now that I would, have, would not have thought to do. So, you know, children like to reread books. So in I'm a Pig, when I talked to my illustrator, I said, the pictures are not going to match the words every time because I want all kinds of other stuff happening that can lead to conversations with children. And so there's other things that are happening besides OB hiding. There's other things happening in the book because um, the chorus is the same in, in the song, like choruses repeat, but the story continues in the book a little differently. And then we get back to in the verses. So the same is happening. That's why I did the video the way I did with Itsy Bitsy Spider on the Overall Buddies YouTube, whereas there's, they each are bringing something to the top of the house. And you ask children, why, why did he bring a banana? Why is the spider rolling out a rug? What are they doing up there? And the, they're actually going to have a picnic. And so, but you don't know that. And so these are just things I want as springboards to conversations. And when the elephant gets stuck, they help him out. And then the next scene, I told my animator, I want all the animals with the elephant. And he goes out to this forest area, and they have a picnic out there. 
So you can talk about, well, why did they do that? Well, the elephant couldn't get up to have a picnic, so they went with him. Isn't that nice? They figured out how to compromise and problem solve. So there's all that happening in that video that, that I want as springboards to conversations, and that's how my brain works. And um, I'm so glad I'm able to do this and, and serve children and families and teachers if I can. Well, I want to thank you, Lori Lynn, for, for what you do in helping children and helping educate children and for coming on my show and sharing what you do. And I want to uh, ask, I know your books are available on Amazon.com. Can they also purchase from your website? Yeah, if they go to overallbuddies.com, they can get all the books there. The paperback book, they can get there too. But if they just want the paperback, is on Amazon. They can just look up I'm a Pig by Overall Buddies. And the paperback is less expensive, right? But I'm happy to get Amazon oh, to take that, care of all that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Thanks, folks. You have to, I'm telling you, check <laughs> out the website. Uh, it's, I'm going to say the spell Lori's name, L-O-R-I, because there's all different ways to spell Lori. But this Lori <laughs> is L-O-R-I, Lynn, L-Y-N-N, and the website is www.overallbuddies.com. It will be in the blog. So that's why I always say, please read the blog because the information is there. And I want to thank you, Lori Lynn, for coming on and being so passionate about educating children, and you are wonderful, and I w wish you much success. You're welcome to come back. Next book you write, you just email me, and I will have you on here. <laughs> uh, I will, and thank you so much, Betsy, for all you do to bring, bring forth these, these um, topics. I appreciate it so much. Uh, you're welcome, and it's my pleasure. And I want to thank Jeannie White, who's the station manager who writes the blog, and produces the show. And I want to thank Lillian Caldwell, who's CEO of Pastoral Talk Radio, who makes this all possible. Folks, please share the show because I do this show to provide resources, and Lori Lynn is a wonderful resource to help you, to help make your life better, to help you with your children, and just to make the world a better place. It's my mission and my vision to pay it forward, and I appreciate everyone listening and sharing, and if you missed any of this show, you could hear it all over again, wherever you hear your favorite podcasts or shows, um, uh, Spotify, Spreaker, uh, CastBox, just to name a few, on many different platforms, and I just am very grateful for what I do, and I just really do get excited about every guest, and I know my audience might think, Betsy, do you really get excited about every guest? <laughs> yes, I do, because I <laughs> learn something from every guest. Every guest has something phenomenal to offer, and that's why I tell the audience, you need to subscribe to Chatting with Betsy. You never know who I'm going to have on. You know, we all think we're alone and how we feel. We're not. We're not alone. Now, I want everyone to know, you're not alone. There is help out there, and I'm here to help you. And my show, my guests have uh, their wonderful resources, and they come on to help you because I want people to know what I didn't know, <laughs> especially 
and uh, raising children and then dealing with someone who has Alzheimer's. Um, and I just want to, I just want to help people. That's it. That's, that's the basis of chatting with Betsy. And I want to thank everyone for listening. Thank you, Lori Lynn. And folks, as I always say at the end of the show, you're welcome. In a world where you can be anything, please be kind and go on YouTube and look up Lori Lynn. And I do believe your YouTube channel is listed on your website, um, Lori Lynn. Yeah, if they would need to look up overall buddies. If they just overall buddies. Yep, they'll find me. Thank you. Okay. Oh, you're welcome. And I'll tell you what, if you I'm gonna say it again, and I don't care if I sound like a broken record. If you're a teacher, you're in a preschool, you're a principal, you need to look up Lori Lynn overall buddies. It is adorable, it is cute, it is educational, and your children will benefit from it. And uh, no, I'm not getting a kickback to Lori Lynn. I'm just telling you how I feel because I watched the videos. Um, I did not read the book, but I did watch the videos. And from what I could see from the book, it's fantastic. And I, I really just love Lori Lynn's work. I just met Lori Lynn right now <laughs> and talking <laughs> to her on the show. And Lori Lynn, you are welcome to come back. It's a, it's a pleasure talking to you. And um, like I said, thank you. Much um, success to you. Folks, that's it for today. And uh, thanks again for joining. Until we chat again, remember, be kind. And not only be kind, but shine your light and shine it bright because we need it. In today's world, we all need to be shining a bright light to other people and helping others. Thanks again. This is Betsy Wurzel, your host of Chatting with Betsy on Passionate World Talk Radio. Bye-bye now. Are you looking for an Internet talk radio station for your podcast? Look no further at the helm of Passionate World Talk Radio are two women that want to provide a spot for you and your podcast to be heard. There are many other places for your podcast, but PWTR has the audience. You will not be disappointed. Our station has been on the internet for the past 16 years. Call us for more information, 484-364-1032. Our text, Jeannie White, station manager at T-H-E-C-O-N-N-E-C-T-S-H-O-W at gmail.com for our podcast show details. Thank you for listening to Passionate World Talk Radio. You can listen to this program all over again by going over to https colon forward slash forward slash passionate world talk radio dot com. You can also hear it on Spotify, Spreaker, Amazon A L E X A, AMFM two four seven dot com every Tuesday evening between eight and nine PM. YouTube Facebook, Facebook Live, LinkedIn, 
and all the other podcast directories one can find on the Internet.